Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Club Podcast, where every week, me and Miss Boo take turns picking films to watch and talk about. Some are good, some are bad, but they are always fun at the Film Club. Boo, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing good today, Dean. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, actually. We finally got a movie that I don't hate. And it's my pick, so... I mean, the world already ended once, so is it happening again? It might be. It might be, but I'm Has I'm hell really frozen over? Are there pigs flying around outside? I don't know. I don't know. Because something doesn't seem right, because, you know, if you like a pick that I've picked, something's definitely wrong here. I mean, it's not that bad. I mean, you picked a good one. Why don't you tell everybody what you picked? Well, we're continuing with our camp theme month, so for... Well, actually... It's our last episode of Camp Month. It is our last episode of Camp Month, and honestly... It's been fun. Yeah. This has been one of the more interesting theme months we kind of looked at, because these movies were a little bit more nostalgia picks than anything else. I mean, they usually are for us. Exactly, and it's really hard for some of us to critique their nostalgia picks. Just saying. That's usually Dean. He has a hard time, you know, with his nostalgia. Yeah, totally. So, um, but yeah, why don't you tell everybody what we're watching? This week, we're going to be watching the Disney Channel classic from 1995, Heavyweights. Yes, and for context for this movie, it did come out in 1995, and that same year was just madness. We got Die Hard with a Vengeance, we had Toy Story, GoldenEye, Seven, Jumanji... And this movie. This movie didn't make as much money as those other, like, six, six, seven bangers that I just listed. But it did give somebody a pretty big career. Judd Apatow was a, you know, a writer for this movie. And he went on to direct 40-Year-Old Virgin, knocked up, and become, like, really famous director person later. And Ben Stiller was also in this movie. I Yeah, like, you know, is that how you pronounce it? Ben St- Stiller? I, I don't recognize that guy. I know, you're usually into, you know, your pretentious foreign movies, so I know you don't know too many American actors, but... I'm, I mean, that's some bullshit, but yeah. It's true, Dean doesn't know any actors. You know. But you yeah, know. so, um, yeah, this is kind of an interesting movie, because looking at it, like, the casting and pedigree for this is a little, is a little bit above, like... Like, the pay grade you would think a Disney Channel movie would be, right? Yeah, but, I mean, Disney Channel movies were always bangers. So, it's like, they were willing to drop some cash on those Disney movies. Okay, I can't believe you said that with a straight face. Because some of these Disney movies are made for, like, like a ham sandwich budget. That these kids probably would have eaten. And yet, we still remember them and love them fondly. Yeah, we remember. I remember and love, like, three of them, but there's probably, like, 40 that were trash. More currently. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so from your childhood, all of them are perfect. As soon as they're out of your childhood, they're all terrible. Like, you know, up until recent, they're like, yeah. Eh. But the 90s ones, though, 90s, early 2000s, chef's kiss. Uh, and, and talking about chef's kiss, this movie's about a fat camp. But why don't we tell people what this movie's kind of about so we can get into really talking about it? It's about these kids being sent to a weight loss camp and... You know, with this movie, we don't get a budget of how much the camp costs this time. So we don't know if it's ridiculous, like 3000 30000 
Well, I believe what we figured out so far was that Meatballs was the cheapest camp because it was done in the 70s. And I think the number I got from it was like, it cost them like 500 bucks to send the kids off for the summer. And then we got like three grand for Camp Nowhere. And then we got 20 grand for Adam's family. Yeah. But the Camp Hope we see in this movie, I'm like, I could definitely see that being like a $3,000 like summer camp experience. Because of the go-karts? go-karts the blob everything from everything we hear in universe is that this is like paradise this is the paradise summer camp for fat kids also that tape to introduce the kids to the camp did that you know kick you back to the 90s even more Uh, no what kicked me back to the 90s was the opening of this movie most when they're all at the school and then oh it oh class is out and they all walk out and then you're looking and it's not that like like in Camp Nowhere where all the kids were wearing like 90s clothes and yeah. it was like that really hyper, we're trying to be super hip and of the times. Yeah. I was looking and I'm like, I own that shirt. And it was really awkward because I'm like, I own that shirt when I was like 10 and this is really weird. Quick question about the school. Did your school ever allow you guys to do that where you just threw your papers on the last day of school? What, like toss all of our, our junk? Yeah, like into the air, like, you know, the last bell. Oh, oh, like last bell, just like... Go nuts. I mean, we weren't allowed to, but no, we like trashed our stuff. Like, I remember, like, last day of school, you would walk out and you would literally throw your, like, your notebook into the trash can on the way out and it would overflow. Like, by the time all the kids got out, because there was only one exit at my middle school that kids could, like, leave through. And there's a trash can there, so it would just overflow with, like, notebooks, backpacks, whatever, at the end of the day. I think our middle school's experiences were different, because we didn't have to bring anything on the last day. It was just yearbooks. Well, yeah, but you went to a rich kid's school. No, I didn't. Compared I went to public to, school. Compared to me, you went to a rich kid's school. Yeah, yeah. But, to get back to the plot of the movie, mm-hmm. we follow our, you know, young protagonist, Jerry Gardner, who is... We don't really know too much about him at school. We don't mm-hmm. know if he's unpopular, kind of just a nobody. I mean, but... we get a lot of context <clears throat> that he is the the loser fat kid who's like not that popular because he's not good at sports. Like that, we get that archetype. Is it all because he had to chase down the bus? Because I've had to do that like twice. No, because he couldn't throw a baseball over the fence after four attempts. He also did it left-handed, so we don't know. Maybe he's right-handed. He could have got it. Look, you can defend the movie when it's, like, real shit that matters, but this shit? No, 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 no. That was on purpose. Hey, I'm taking one out of the Dean Handbook, where you will fight me on every little detail. I guess. But I'm, like, bringing up, like, real shit in the movie, but whatever, whatever. So, So as it goes on. So, Jerry gets home, and he finds out that his parents are not only intending to send him to basically a fat camp he's got no say in this they play him this promotional video which i thought was super 90s because it reminded me of the ones that disneyland used to do Mm -hmm. where you'd get like uh maybe like a 30 minute video for them to kind of showcase if you stay in our hotels here's our parks we have this this and that i'm like oh man that's so 90s Oh, yeah, you, you, we definitely had different experiences. I don't remember any of those where somebody came to your house to try and pitch you hotels. No, not come to my house, like the tapes. I never got the VHS tapes. They, those weren't mailed to my house. I don't know if they were mailed. I'm like, I was like five or four when this movie came out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, I don't remember how the tapes got there. I just remember we got the tapes. So we followed Jerry, who 
is, you know, next frame on a plane. Yes. And that's where Jerry meets Roy, who is also going to the fat camp. And Roy is very, very enthusiastic about meeting Jerry and also knows that he's going to the fat camp. And Jerry's like, how do you know I'm going there? And he's like, bro, you're fat. You're going to the camp, of course. Mm -hmm. And that's where we meet everybody when they get off the plane at the buses and... It seems like an overall really cool place to go because everyone's just so happy and excited and it's something that they go to every summer. Mm -hmm. So Jerry gets to see, hey, maybe this really isn't that bad. And it's kind of like, oh, it's going to be a cool movie where instead of, you know, these kids getting made fun of, they have like the best summer of their lives and oh boy, does it take a turn as soon as they get to the camp. Yeah, so I guess like I can explain tony perkins but that man is a he he's gonna get his own section of the of the podcast because that that performance is fascin it fascinating so it happens jerry goes up to the camp everything's looking really cool all the counselors are awesome they have all like the kids a, are sweet they have the first day that's shown in the tape where yeah. they're on the blob, they're swimming, they're eating, they're having just a great time. We meet the the camp owners who are played by um, Ben J Stiller's real parents. Yeah, Jerry Stiller, and I always forget his wife's name. Uh, what was her name? Oh, I I can't actually remember. I feel really bad now because she's actually like also a famous like comedic actress. She is, but I always remember her from King of Queens. Oh yeah yeah. yeah. Anna, um, Mirara? Mira? Or, Mira? or a Annie Stiller? Yeah, probably. Because I don't... they were married for however long, but oh, God, I, I always associate the two of them from King of Queens. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we ever got Ben Stiller on King of Queens. I don't think so, which is weird. You know? But it was fun to see the two of them. So sorry, side note. It was fun to see the two of them. Well, she was always in love with him, and he was just kind of like, ew, get away from me. But you know what? You are kind of cute, you know, come on over here. So it was fun to see their dynamic. Yes, and King of Queens is a great show. Go watch it. It is a great show. And we get to see them on heavyweights as a married couple. And they own the camp, have probably owned the camp for decades. Cause... Well, they said it's 33 years. Like, yeah. it's the 33rd year of their camping open. And, and they're going to have the best summer ever. But because, you know... They had to file bankruptcy. <laughs> Which is is a great bid because Jerry Stiller sells it like a champ. Yes. And so they're like, they had to sell it off to this guy. His name's Tony Perkins. He's like this fitness guru mm -hmm. infomercial guy who takes who buys the camp and he's gonna make all these kids, you know, skinny using the Perkins system, which is this health fitness system that he's gonna use to sell that he pulled like straight out of the 80s oh yeah oh yeah and i mean down to having the cameraman and running by you know hands in the air to high five everybody and everyone's also looking at also him. wearing uh, spandex at all times or his white suit that he wears in the beginning yes so he has his thing and then the rest of the movie from that point is really perkins makes camp very much like unfun takes away all like the cool stuff Runs these kids through the ringer. The kids can't deal with this. And then Perkins kind of oversteps his bounds, which leads the kids to a full-on revolt. Yep. And from there, it's just dealing with the the camp after Perkins is, dis is deposed. Like, he's some, like, 
South American dictator. And yeah, and then it's kind of like a traditional camp movie again where the kids have to rally to beat the camp MVP, the jock camp from across the river. I mean, I never went to a summer camp, so I'm just going to assume... Does every camp do this where they have, like, an Olympic relay at the end of the, we, the we've summer? We've seen two camp movies that have... No, wait, did Adam's Family Value have, have a, a camp relay? They had a play, and I know that some camps do do plays. Well, Camp Nowhere also had a play. Yeah, but this is the end of the camp where, you know, it should be, like, a, a sporting event against a competing camp. And in Adam's Family Nowhere, we get the play, so... I don't know, maybe if we filled out our time in that camp, we would have gotten some sort of relay. Probably. But That's neither was, here nor there. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I just thought it was weird. I'm like, do all camps do this where they compete with like competitor camps? I mean, it might be a thing. I know that um, this movie kind of uses... Actually, you know, this kind of brings me into, into my first question here because okay. I, I just realized something. So, because this film comes off to me as you know, the the perfect mash, like, mixing pot of all the camp films we've watched so far. Because mm-hmm. um, we have, you know, the, the camp as a paradise, like, in Camp Nowhere. Yeah. We have the, like, the cult insane counselor that is Tony Perkins, like, in The Addams Family. Mm-hmm. And we have, like, this kind of interesting coming-of-age story with um, Jerry and his, and, like, Pat's playing, like, the Bill Murray character, take the kids under his yeah. ring, all that stuff. So... What I'm I'm thinking here is is this like the best camp movie ever or is it just really good at stealing from the other camp movies? That's a good question. Yeah, because because it kind of hits all the marks yeah. of of all these camp movies we talked about, and it and no, this was not planned. This was not planned. No, I didn't. I'm not saying this because it's like oh, you know, there's potential thing, but like legitimately, I was watching this and I was like, yeah, for a camp movie that's aimed at you know younger people like sub like 13 and under this Mm -hmm. is a pretty solid movie yeah even as like a regular movie this is still like really enjoyable so is is this the best camp movie i think it's pretty high up there on the list Mm -hmm. is there any you would put above it i don't know if i'd put it above it I'd have to put it maybe level with it. Uh, the Great Outdoors with Dan Aykroyd and, oh my god, John Candy. Mm, okay. I wanted to call him Uncle Buck, but I've had that so movie ev- stuck everyone, in my head. John Candy will forever be Uncle Buck. Don't worry. Yes. May, may, may Uncle Buck rest in peace. <laughs> yes. So, but I, I guess that's that's kind of a thing. Well, how about this? Can you elaborate on to why you think this is kind of the best camp movie for, in your opinion? Like, what makes this story so good? I think it makes it so good is that we don't have, you know, too many differences in our little, you know, group of characters that we have in this movie. Mm-hmm. They're all, you know, more or less level in the playing field. They all are, are heavier. They understand each other's, you know, backstories. So you don't feel like, oh, this one's going to pick on that one. They genuinely come together very fast. They're very happy. Mm. And you get this... You know, evil villain that comes in, even with his German backup dude that is just... <laughs> you mean Lars. Lars, that dresses like he's still stuck in the 80s, too, with, oh. with Tony. Where where are you from, Lars? Very like, far away. We all backed away at that point. Horrifying. Like, <laughs> but, 
Yeah, it's it's nice to see the kids, you know, come together very fast. They feel very close. You have this enemy that's not the typical bully. It's an adult, a crazy-ass adult that mm-hmm. we have who is just so into fitness and I'm going to be like Bear Grylls on steroids, but Bear Grylls is actually a cool guy. So it's like, who are you trying to be? But it's just fun to see how crazy Ben Stiller goes Mm -hmm. and then how the kids are just like, you know, we're tired of your shit. We're taking back our camp and just seeing the different ways that they take back the camp, the epic party that they throw. Yeah. So, so you're, you're on the line of like the camaraderie and the dynamic of the kids. That's, that's what sells it. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think the camaraderie and how the kids interact with each other is great. It feels very organic. It doesn't feel forced. It, Jerry's basically the the new kid coming into this because a lot of the kids come to this camp every summer, and it's nice to see that they welcome him in so fast and mm-hmm. they all become a super tight knit close group of friends. And it also helps because like I I don't want to sound insulting, but um, Jerry is the perfect like blank slate like audience surrogate to like get into it mm-hmm. because he's not he's unpopular, but he's not a loser. He's smart but he's not a genius he's mm-hmm. funny but he's not obnoxious yeah he's granted he's not like milk toast but he's very mellow and he's easy to follow and you can and you like him yeah and you don't ever really feel annoyed with jerry exactly and it's um one of those things where it's not like mud in camp nowhere yeah which granted i love that movie but mud can get a little grating after a while especially with you know i'm not tall and it's like dude you're gonna hit your growth spurt in like I, a couple of years for, for god's sakes he's like 10 you, yeah you, you can give him the 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 um 10 year old um inadequacies or whatever 10 year old problems 10 year old problems but jerry it's like the things he's feeling insecure about are a lot more relatable in a more broad term because it feels like when him and pat become friends pat's like i'm taking you under my wing because i was you before and i'm still kind of like you because i i guess it's a thing where you know growing up with low self-esteem you never really get get that chip off your shoulder yeah and I think this is an interesting, like, show of it. But that, I, and Pat also seems to be more of a father figure to Jerry in the movie, so it's kind of nice to see the two of them kind of bond like father and son. Which is weird, because Jerry's actual dad is in this movie. He is. And he's, like, a pretty okay dad. Yeah. He He's pretty, like, basic dad dude. I, it almost feels like Pat was trying to, not even trying to take, the, like, the father role. It was almost like he's playing the big brother role. Yeah. Which is is good. But, but, but for me, it, it came more across as like a father-son role because mm-hmm. we do see Jerry's dad in the middle of the movie, or in the beginning of the movie and towards the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we see more of Jerry with Pat and it's like, they've got, you know, the same kind of body weight or body size. So it's like, he understands. He, mm-hmm. It's not, you know, we don't know about uh, Jerry's dad, but it's like Pat's grown up the same lifestyle. So he's able to empathize and understand and kind of Jerry, you know, those words of comfort just to say, hey, I've been through it. It's going to be okay. Yeah. And I know we said something about um, a chip on the shoulder a little a little earlier. Mm-hmm. And for a character that has a chip on the shoulder, Mr. Tony Perkins, played oh. by Bill, uh, Ben Stiller. and That chip is bigger than the log that he carries. And this is a question that, as I was watching the movie, and after I finished it, I, uh, okay. So, cause he's actually crazy. He's verbally, emotionally abusive. 
he sees himself as like this fitness guru and he's like half a fanatical cult leader he wants to be that cult of personality yeah but he shows like real signs of like trauma and like neglect like like legitimate mental health issues so do you think tony is a sympathetic character in any way or is or is he just pure villainy I think he has some sympathy in him, mm-hmm. but I think he is just so messed up that the sympathy doesn't come through at all. It's just, I have to make myself better, and if you guys look great, that makes me look even better. Yeah, no, I understand that, but I guess let me let me re- rethink the, the point here. Look, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm just saying, like, do you think it's Tony's fault he's this messed up? No, because we see the interaction with his father at the end of the movie, which, mm-hmm. you know, spoiler, Tony has a meltdown, and they have to call his dad in to come pick him up. It is the greatest meltdown in cinema history. I'm willing to stake my claim on this. It's pretty good. and his... Charles Foster Gaines smashing the room when his wife leaves him in Citizen Kane. Not nearly as good as Ben Stiller smashing wine glasses and walking on the glass. Well, they were water glasses and pitchers, but... It's still cool. It's, yeah, it's and also cool. the the villain speech. It's like I'm too strong. I'm too fit for you to ever try and take me down. What are you gonna do, fat man? And then he gets like just punched out. It's just funny. And then he does a triple backflip and knocks himself unconscious, and that's how he loses. Yeah, which was weird. Why did he do the backflip? Yeah. You, you know how like sometimes I bring up things in in movies, and you're like that doesn't matter. It's fine. But I bring up the backflip, and you're like. Okay, that's that one. That that's a little weird. That's... I mean, it was. I'll, I'll admit, it in other movies, it was a little weird. But I don't feel like we have to like really dive into why did he even do the backflip. But why did he do the backflip? I don't know. To flex? Maybe. And then he failed. There you yeah, go. That's that's the point of the movie: failure. Being okay with failure. <laughs> there Tony you go. not okay with failure. They had to call Daddy in to pick Tony up. Which is kind of awesome to see Ben Stiller playing like, Ben Stiller's dad. Yes, which, that was a treat. And I'm like, why couldn't he just get his actual dad? And then, oh wait, he's in the movie. This he is. is. Thing. But during that scene with his father, he goes, I don't get what's wrong with this kid. You know, just because you don't hug a child, they, you know, oh, boo-hoo, my daddy never hugged me. And it's like, okay, so Tony's got some daddy issues. We don't know too much about mom. So... He was a 315-pound 12-year-old. Yeah, and now he's probably, I don't know, like a buck 20 in this film because he is just pure muscle. Yeah. So. He, he, he also does um, gymnastic tricks on tree branches overhanging cliffs. I feel like that's something you'd try. God, no. God, no. Hey, I'll... boo, look at this view. No, I hate heights. Heights are horrible. But yeah, so I, I guess that's, yeah, just Tony's so over the top he's over the top but he's also the most developed and deep dived character in the movie which is weird yeah because i know way more about tony than i know about like any of the kids in like pat or or any of the counselors yeah like i know a lot about tony you know he's his fitness he's a fitness guru his dad was a lighting fixture king he's um he's overly um just I, I guess he's just overly extra everything is 110 percent for him 
And he's like 120. 120 for him. He's obsessive, compulsive, like borderline, and he's like very socially inept, but he he doesn't realize it, so he comes off like you know, have you ever met people who learn how to talk to other people by watching TV? Yeah. Yeah, that's how Tony comes off. Like he learned to to interact with people by watching sitcoms. Or his dad's commercials. Or his dad's commercials where he talks like this. How you doing there, champ? Troy McClure here. Like that. Like that's yeah. what Tony comes across and it's it's great. It's a fascinating character. He really is. Greatest villain in cinema history. And that's why I think he's slightly empathetic, but he is just so messed up that he can't get that out. Oh yeah, I think honestly, I, I agree with you. He's still the he's still the pure villain in this movie, but it, it I like the appreciation that was given to his character. I, I think that was a really good choice. It was good. Yeah. But yeah, and I guess the no, no. Where else do you wanna wanna wander off here? Well, I see you have a question for me about snacks. I do, and this one. And I love snacks. I know you love snacks, and okay, so this is like, I know, I know the thing you say. It doesn't matter, Dean. It's just the movie. Yeah. But this matters to me, because as it usually does. It does. So the kids, when they come to the camp, like the first day. You know, Josh there, he's the he's the big man on campus. Yeah. At a camp full of very big people. And he's like, all right. Oh, Jerry, you snuck in some Oreos. Child's play. Boys, download. download. And they just open up all their stuff. They're like, like taking off like wrapped hot dog buns and shit that they've strapped to their bodies. Like they're smuggling cocaine. And it wasn't hot dog buns. It was sausage. It was, it was salami. There you yeah. go. Yeah. And... Like, kids are hiding candy and all this other stuff. And they hide it in the in the cabin. And I'm like, okay, that's that's interesting. But I'm looking and I'm like, wait, they've hollowed out this cabin. Yeah. Like, to hide this stash. Like, there's... Some of this stuff requires, like, carpentry to work. Like, real power tools to do this. Because they've cut the beds in half to rig them with, with like, spring-loaded, like like doors yeah they've cut out a section of the floor where they can hide stuff underneath the cabin they've hollowed out the bed frames to hide candy in there yes and not to mention the fact that like look it's cool to have salami on hand but they're hiding it underneath their mattress first heat wave that hits that camp that stuff is it's gone it's dead it'll smell like death in there so I I get it. It's a funny image. It's cool, but I need to know, boo. Like, what, what? What is your question? I don't know anymore. I just saw this scene and it hurt my brain. So okay, I guess here. Okay, I do have a question. Here's the real question. Are you sure? So I I think I okay. think this is the real question. So do you think the the kids like Josh and his and his crew they made that or was that something the the Bushnells were like, yo, these kids. I mean, we know they're gonna bring in snacks, but we're gonna let them have that. So they built that into the camp. Like I don't, I don't know. That that is intriguing. Right. But this camp has been running for over thirty-three years, so people before them could have done this, and it's just a passed-on tradition that all the kids that come to this camp bring your snacks. We got plenty of places for you to hide them, because I... they do have power tools there. Because they do work on the uh, the go kart at the end of the movie, so they are able. <sighs> to get some tools into the cabin and, you know, make some spots. I, I understand that. I mean, I've seen Escape from Alcatraz, The Great Escape. I just think it's hilarious that 
these kids are basically using the plot of Escape from Alcatraz to hide candy. But, I mean... Is it refrigerated in that camp? Or in that cabin? In that cabin? I don't think so. That candy's gonna just be... Gonna be molted junk after they... Did they think not think of the smell? <laughs> Again, I think you're overthinking this. I sometimes do that, but that this is the one part of this movie where I was like, wait, that doesn't make sense. That's weird. I mean, I can dig it. It's a funny scene, and it works for like the whole context of the movie, and it, we're already in a heightened reality because Tony Perkins exists. Yes. It's like the thing where once I see Tony, nothing else in this movie surprises me, but it's just like weird. Because I'm like, how much work went into hollowing out that cabin? Was that like a an overnight thing? It couldn't have been. Was that like a couple of days? Basically, I went on a tangent on this in my brain, and I was on it for like half the movie. As you usually do? Yeah, it was just a weird thought thing that I kept spiraling down. But it's, you know, it happens. I mean, I'm currently looking at two bags of candy right now. Hey, hey, don't look at my candy. It's fine. I like Reese's Pieces. It's okay. So do I. But moving on. Moving on, because apparently this freaked Dean out when it's just, it's kids ca- stashing candy. I mean, I understand did, that. didn't I, you stash candy as a kid? I stashed candy, but you know what happened when I stashed candy? Your brother ate it? No, it melted. These This candy's going to melt. Like they're, they're losing the sanctity of the candy, but that's besides the point. Because there's, there's other things about this movie. There are. The behind the scene things about this movie. Okay. Like, something interesting. This movie is kind of the epitus of... A one of like the most popular comedy like comic writers for films mm-hmm. of the early two thousands, Judd Apatow. You know he made uh, Forty Year Old Virgin, Knocked Up. This is kind. This is basically his first feature film like writing credit. It is. Now and it has really good writing in it. It does honestly. I think all the jokes really work. I think there's a good heart in here. It also shows that. Judd Apatow has always worked with the lovable loser archetype. And the movie's also aged well. It's aged really well. It's, like, surprising how well it's aged. And I guess that's my my question to you. I was going to ask, like, how well do you think this movie aged? And I'm, like, I, I think it's aged like a fine wine. I think this still works now. Like, you can show it to kids now and they still get it. Yeah. But I guess my question is, do you think think the comedy of like the Judd Apatow comedy that freaks and geeks kind of thing Mm -hmm. do you think Disney may have toned it down a little bit for this movie definitely oh oh just absolutely yeah it's Disney they're gonna tone it down to make it family friendly and I think this time it actually works you know they could have turned it up a notch but I think where it currently sits it works fine yeah, and I, I noticed a few parts of the film where there was definitely an, a more adult or risque or raunchier joke yeah. in there that was like either dubbed over or you can tell the scene was cut mm-hmm. a little weird to avoid it. Yeah. And I was I was I was actually kinda curious, Boo, did you did you catch any of those? Yeah, I mean I could see it and then I was thinking, Oh, Dean's gonna want like a a director's cut of heavyweights. Could you imagine? Well, it'd be like a writer's cut, but like that's whatever. But no, I was just I was just curious. Like I wanted to know how much you you thought Disney interfered or changed the the final product. I'm sure a good amount. Good amount. Yeah, it, it's a Disney movie. They have their criteria of how they want their things done, so it has to be as safe as possible. It can't really be like Adam's Family or Camp Nowhere. Or meatballs, where you could get away with a, a lot. 
Yeah, I think it's really interesting because this is the most family-friendly, like, camp movie we yeah. have watched the entire month. Yeah. Like, Camp Nowhere is like, oh, it's like a kid's movie. And then you watch and you're like, yeah, no, there's some, like, like really raunchy sex jokes in this that are kind of, like, they're hidden, but they're not hidden that well. Yeah. And then it's like, like, in Meatballs, it's not even hidden, but that's no. aimed... Mm. That's actually just aimed at, like, raunchy teenagers and, like, like college-age adults. Yeah. And then Adam's Family is just... It's a basically a black comedy, and it's just... The camp stuff is... Like, I'm just gonna say it. Like, Wednesday commits genocide upon all the all the rich kids at that camp at the end of the movie. Like, she does that. There's a dead kid in that camp. I know it. And There's she no did it. dead kid. It's just know. these kids got dunked on. Exactly. So, I don't know. I don't know. But... Uh, Overall, how did you think this movie fared this week? I think it's a great movie. I think it's a great camp movie because we only get, jeez, I think we only get one sequence of the outside world in the very beginning. Yeah. And then after that, it's camp the entire time. Yeah, we don't have the problem like in Adam's Family where... We jump back and forth. We jump back and forth and the best part of the movie is the camp stuff yeah. and we, but we still have to be outside of the camp stuff yeah this we're in the camp the whole time mm -hmm. we get the we get the you know the bonding arc we get the whole campers coming together kind of thing yeah like in meatballs and we also just have the the fun of seeing these kids just be at camp like in camp nowhere where we actually get to see the kids interact develop and have like a fun summer and see the kids be kids and see the kids be kids yeah honestly i i give this movie two thumbs up yeah same here you know the kids aren't acting like adults they're acting like kids they take you back to being that age and you know that's what you wanted to do with your summer you wanted to swim you wanted to run around you wanted to hang out with your friends you wanted to have a food fight it's you know, the, the best of a, a childhood dream that there could be and speaking of childhood dreams this is more of a childhood memory next month we're going to be talking about America's Great Cinematic Heroes, and we're going to start with the best of the best, AFI's number one cinematic hero, Atticus Finch, who, played by Gregory Peck in To Kill a Mockingbird. That's right, we're doing a classic, we're going back to Dean's Art House, let's go. And if you didn't catch that, next month, the month of July, is our salute to America cinematic heroes so be ready for all sorts of different picks next month and they're all kind of Americana are yeah. yeah somewhat our heroes are so it should be an interesting month stay tuned so boo where can they go to find us well if you want to find us on a different platform than you currently are listening to us on right now we are on anchor FM Apple Podcasts, Spotify and just about every platform where uh, podcasts are played and we are also on YouTube. We are. We're on the YouTube channel In The Frame, where we currently share our screen time with the sister podcast, The Double Feature Podcast. Well, or Double Feature Picture Show. It's always hard to remember, because David changes it every other week. Yeah, so Tomato Tomato, it's one of the other names. But you can find them there. You can find us on social media, at the Film Club Podcast, on Instagram and Facebook. And... I believe you guys are on Instagram, too. Yes, we are at DD underscore double feature picture show. So with that, we'll see you next week at the Film Club. Peace. Peace.